Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Our media like to write sensationalist stories about drugs because it gets clicks and that is what people want. You've got to understand the way that newspapers and journalists work is that, you know, it's always been the way that if you work for one of the big papers years ago, whatever it was at the time, if you write a sensationalist story, you get a lot of hits or you sell a lot of newspapers. It's still that way. So they've got to go for that angle. Tim Lovejoy is a podcast and elite TV presenting legend and just an all-round lovely guy. We have a really open conversation about mental health and drug reform and his process within that as well. So let's get straight into it. You're listening to Stop and Search on Scroobius Pips Distraction Pieces Network, brought to you by ACAST in association with Leap. Here we go. Behind your barricades Yeah, but how long can I stay? Thank you so much for joining us. We recorded this conversation with Tim Lovejoy before lockdown, and I've held it back for various reasons, which I won't bore you with, but it's still relevant today. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. The fact that we had a conversation that was three years ago and it still holds up, is that an indictment of how far we haven't come? I don't know. But it's a fascinating conversation. We talk about the media. Of course we talk about the media. It's Tim Lovejoy. We talk about mental health. We talk about the need for outreach. And that's why Tim is so, so good within this. So the process of why this conversation came about is that Tim Lovejoy wasn't on board with this subject. He didn't understand drug law reform. He thought all drugs are bad, lock everybody up. But within the process of his own podcast, which is the Lovejoy Hour, which I so recommend because Tim has guests on there that purposely pick your interests and go for topics that you wouldn't ordinarily think about. And that's why he got involved in drug law reform. He had people like Peter Blexley, Neil Woods, Johan Hari, and then subsequently people like myself and Steve Rolls from Transform and some other people coming up, I believe. And that process transformed Tim's thinking. He really, really is a deep thinker. And that's why he's so involved in drug law reform now and a friend to ours, because it's not good enough to talk about it. He wants to do more. And that's what we need. So if you agree with our conversations, like, share, subscribe, push this to the people that wouldn't ordinarily listen. That's what we need to do. And that's why Tim's great within this. So without further ado, let's get on with it. And of course, you can find our work globally at Leap. So Leap Europe, Leap Scotland, Leap Netherlands, Leap Germany, Leap Australia, Leap UK. And of course, the head office, Leap in America, Law Enforcement Action Partnership. Find us all. But specifically, if you want to find us in the UK, then at UK Leap, which is our Twitter and Instagram at UKLeap.org is our Facebook and website. So without further ado, thank you so much to Lovejoy. Let's get involved. 
it's quite a strange one how we've ended up here because until fairly recently, you weren't remotely on board with this subject, were you? No, you wouldn't have got me in here even maybe five months ago, so six months ago. A pretty yeah. quick conversion. Uh, quick conversion, but it's quick because it makes so much sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's through during my pop doing my podcast that I've ended up here. Um, uh, initially, should I tell you the story? Go for it, and, right. and name, name your podcast as well. Oh, my podcast is called Dear Lovejoy, and it, it started off as an Agony Uncle um, podcast, and then I started interviewing interesting people and celebrities, and I interviewed Peter Blexley, who people will know from um, the, what's his show Hunt, Hunted. Hunted, that's yeah. it. And, the and, Chief. And he wrote so many great books and stuff, and he's such a great personality. So he came on my podcast, and then he'd written a book, so he came back onto the podcast, we invited back on, and towards the end, he sort of said, about legalizing drugs and I sort of thought this guy's mental he's got a TV profile and he's discussing legalizing drugs he, he you know it, this is insane talk from someone who wants to work in television because obviously us working in TV we've got to be you know we've got to be cleaner than clean otherwise you lose your job the papers get onto it and and that's the end of your career and and I thought this is this is incredible and he also was an ex-copper and everything else and then People started tweeting me because they'd been on the podcast talking about Neil Woods, um, who's uh, obviously your listeners will know him, but ex-undercover copper. And so I got him on the show, read his book, and well, I was just reading his book though, uh, Drug on, uh, what is it, War on Drugs. Read that book and I was like, I can't believe how I've been brainwashed the whole of my life to believe the stupidity and myths about drugs. And um, and the stupidity about having them as a, 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 as a as being illegal in the first place. Anyway, Neil Woods came on and it completely changed my mind. Then Johan Hari came on, who, as we all know, wrote a, a couple of great books, one called Connection and the other one, Chasing the Scream. Yeah, and so we dis discussed with him about legalization of drugs or drug reform in every every sense and he was again like it's madness our drug laws at the moment and it makes so much sense to me now that i spend the whole of my time boring people constantly and harassing mps and everybody saying come on open your mind you know, follow uk leap see what's going on because this is ridiculous it's, it's one of the biggest problems in the world and we've been brainwashed to believe to believe in something which is total myth See, that's what, exactly what we want to hear because normally you know you can have these conversations and people can be a bit you know they can be a bit, in a bit of a malaise about it like oh it's drugs you know drugs are drugs but to have that conversion and to see you go through that conversion that's everything that we want and was it reading the books that got you in that process of transforming of how you perceived it yeah 100 percent. i've got to just say at this point though i'm um, doing my podcast opened my mind up to so many other things you know it's opened my mind up to the the education system in this country and how mental that is you know we're separating kids through <laughs> yeah we wonder why our society's bizarre yet we separate our kids through finance or wealth and religion and sex and all sorts of different other things rather than lumping them all in the same school we're one of the few people countries which do this by the way us in america do it germany and scandinavia you go to the local school whether you're rich poor or Muslim, Christian, Jew, whatever, you all go to the same school. So, so we are, as British people, growing up with complete brainwashing of various different subjects. And um, this one, though, is the one which had the major impact on me because it's so, it's so nonsensical that this stuff is illegal uh, for all the reasons, as you know, I'm sure your listeners have heard loads of times. Well, let's get into it, though, because 
the the reasons are quite nuanced and not everybody's going to know all of them so what were the points that especially resonated with you well the the biggest one is uh, <laughs> actually the points have developed since i've been going on right let's start with um the uh if drugs are illegal it becomes an illegal activity as soon as it's an illegal activity it, it has to involve violence it's putting more and more violence on our streets. Bizarrely, just before I did the interview with Neil Woods, I was interviewing Ross Kemp about um, whether police should be uh, armed. All police should be armed. Our country is a beautiful country where we've got coppers with truncheons and pepper spray or whatever they have these days and, and a set of handcuffs. Now we're thinking about giving them guns. The reason why we're giving them guns is it's getting more violent on the streets. The reason why it's getting more violent on the streets is because drugs is prevalent out there it seems and um and the the gang warfare going on they have to get more violent because that's you can't you know as as neil and johan and everyone peter will tell you you can't go to the coppers if someone steals your stash you have to protect yourself so it just gets more and more violent and the violence is increasing rapidly on the streets and we're doing nothing about it um and yet you know if, if we kind of think about uh, reform and legalization it, it depowers them suddenly if you can get all your stuff for legally you're not going to start going to the dodgy guy you know at the end of the uh, at the end of the road um yes yeah, so that's that's sort of the main reason that i think it makes so much sense for drug reform so what order did you have the guests on you so you say neil words who wrote no peter first peter so, came on and i thought you're talking absolute so he's the one that planted the seeds madness that you think we should leave and he was and i was going all drugs should be legal. He's going, yeah. And I was going, what? This is this is just madness. And he's going, well, yeah, well, it's reform. And, and then Neil came on to explain it all, and he was he was fantastic. Neil's such a great person, actually. And Neil looks like he's been through the mill. And what you don't understand about and Neil maybe is is why he's so good is is he's 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 been on the other side of it. He's been he's been the guy you know, actually putting these criminals away. And as I think if you look in his eyes, he's been putting people away who aren't criminals in his mind. And that's what's really hard for him um, to see. And then Johan Hari comes on later and just sort of the icing on the cake just goes, oh, yeah, I mean, it's simple, you know. And, and I don't know how much Johan Hari has to do with the UK Leap organisation. Yeah, yeah, we're good friends. He's been on his podcast twice. We did um, his first book, Chasing the Scream, and then we did Lost Connections after that. Uh, and then just to go over, Neil was just, I've got to do the plugs. So for Neil Woods and J.S. Raffaelli, the authors, uh, Drug Wars, and his first book, Good Cop, Bad War. Um, so please, they're gonna, those links will be scrolling, along with uh, Tim Lovejoy's podcast links, they'll be scrolling if you listen on your cast app. Those, you, by the way, all those books are incredible reads, and you have to read them. It's really important. Genuinely so. They, even if you haven't got an interest in this subject, I don't know if you'd agree. That How would you, you not have an interest in this subject when our streets are littered with crime and violence? And, and also... You know, it, it's so. Let me tell you about another couple of points that that have made me slightly angry is the fact that, um, I, I like I had a, a brain surgeon on my podcast. I interview all sorts of different people. Uh, Raoul Jundiel, he's he's one of the leading brain surgeons of the world. We start talking about depression, then he says, um, "Yeah, there's been some really interesting experiments where people are spraying ketamine up their noses, but clearly ketamine's sort of illegal." But they've been doing this this experiment, and so I go into talking to him about psychedelics and uh, MDMA, and he goes, "Yeah, they're all really good. You know, these are all stuff we should use." And I said, "Well, why can't we?" I mean, he's American. And I was, I was saying, you know, what about the legalization? He goes, he sort of implied that they would love to be able to use these substances, you know. Then you've got the, the medical marijuana or cannabis, as we all know, that people want to use. And how on earth we're still keeping that illegal 
is is just beyond me when people can actually use it for health benefits. So it's not only that I think people always think of uh, drugs as recreational. They always think of drugs as um, addicts and they always think of addicts as bad people. Uh, I don't think Ad- Johan Hari uh, is the one who, who made me think that uh, addiction's not a, uh, they're not bad people who are addicted. They're, they should be treated with uh, sympathy and, and helped rather than locked in prison. <laughs> it's a bloody ridiculous idea, really. And so uh, so there's sort of many different nuances to, to why I think. And the, and the final thing that I think, which is the one that really grates me, and it's only, uh, it's only started grating me um, recently. I've mentioned this to you, Jason, before on the phone, but um, the, the fact that I'm not allowed to take them, the fact that I've been brainwashed since I was a young kid, to think that alcohol and tobacco is fine. Well, actually, then later on in my life, tobacco became like something which is, you know, no one could do, even though I became addicted to nicotine for a while and, you know, gave that up 18 odd years ago or something. So I'm allowed to smoke and I'm allowed to drink and I'm allowed to drink hardcore vodka, 40% vodka if I want. I can drink as much as I want, you know, of that. I can do tequila shots. I can swig strong lager. I can. They let me do whatever I want on that side. But they say, no, there's a certain section of drugs that you're not allowed to touch. And because I'm a TV presenter, I've pretty much not touched them. Okay, because I, when I was a kid, I did a bit. But as soon as I was on TV, not a chance. Because I, I do not want to get caught doing any form of drugs. You would just lose your job immediately. I think it's getting a bit less now. If you look at someone like Richard Bacon, went out, did a line of coke, lost his career, fa- fantastically managed to get it back, but lost his lost his job. Lost it. Happened to all of them. Anyone found doing any form of drugs, you know, that's it. Your career's gone. Who's deciding which drug I can take and which drug I can't take? And that's the bit which has really started to grate me over the years because as far as I can work out, and I'm not an expert on this by any stretch of the imagination, alcohol seems to be one of the worst ones. I know nicotine or tobacco is just a horrific drug because it's, I don't know which is the bit which is killing me when I was smoking, but that that doesn't end well if you're a smoker. Alcohol, if you're doing it in excess, does not end well, you know. And we're encouraged in our culture to binge drink. By the way, they allow us to do that, and they, you know, and and they'll do. We're allowed to sell it cheaply. We're allowed to do, you know, supermarket discounts and all that sort of stuff. So they, and it's allowed to be marketed heavily at us. Alcohol as well. Now, who's deciding that that's right? And MDMA, which I've never taken, but I understand it's really nice. Um, cannabis uh, and um, ecstasy uh, and MDA are similar aren't they yeah, I don't know the same. same thing but psilocybin psilocybin as yeah. well which you know I've suffered from depression I don't like to say suffered anymore by the way but I've had dep- depression and I've, and I've contemplated going to Amsterdam to go to the clinics why can't I do it over here why can't I get pure stuff as well who's deciding what I can and what I can't have and it just doesn't seem to make any sense at all and it's a conversation we don't often have is that we're so we're so ingrained into the, what the drug laws have set out for us that you know all drugs are bad don't take them that we forget it has taken away our, our autonomy over it no longer have we got sovereignty over our own body because of what the laws of the state has said no you can do that but you can't do that yeah and yet we don't really address that with the severity that we probably should well it, interestingly i don't have a agent at the moment um, but if I did have one, <laughs> I bet they'd have said, "Don't do this." Yeah, because <laughs> because it's just like there's 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 no there's no benefit really apart from I I'm desperate to help geograform. So as many people who can listen to this as you know, as soon as this is out, I'm retweeting it because I want as many people as possible to to start 
listening to the arguments. I keep, you know, tweeting MPs and, 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 and talking to everybody I can talk to about it. But at the moment, it's still stuck. I mean, you just had the stuff with um, Gove, uh, who, you know, and, and everyone had to come out and say, drugs are evil. It, it, you know, half the, uh, half the population are evil and criminals because most of us have tried something illegal. So we've criminalized the whole of our population because humans kind of like trying it. You know, and they quite like taking drugs. And we like drinking and we like, you know, smoking and we like probably taking acid. I don't know because I'm not taking, I've never tried it. But I'd, I'd like to try it, but I'd like to know what I'm taking. You know, that's the thing. I would like someone to go to me, you're right, you're, so you're, you, you know, so you've got a bit of depression. You know, why don't you just try this? And it, we know it's a nice, nice low dose. I don't know what I'm taking if I buy enough some bloke on the corner of the street. So... You know, it's ludicrous stuff. But yeah, as I say, being in the media, you, it's gonna, we're going to struggle until we get more people like me to cross over and go, come on, let's listen to the arguments here. Let's, let's listen to it. But people won't touch it because we're so brainwashed into the idea that all drugs are evil. You, you make a perfect point there. And this is something that is opening up the kind of the magician's curtain a little bit. But you're right. If you've got an agent and I'm having to go through agents to get people like you on this podcast, it just never happens because... A, you know, there's no, there's nothing in it for you. You know, you're not getting a fee. But also, why do you want to put yourself out there talking about what's con- conceived as uh, contentious subjects for no gain for yourself? Yeah, and then bizarre. What's the bizarre thing about this? I get, you know, obviously I'm on TV, so I get asked to do charity constantly, and you know, I do my bits for charity, generally cancer charities and things, because my brother died of cancer. But, but um, it's what's fascinating about this is, is you know, I'm willing to lend my name to this because I think it's just so important. I mean, we're watching the crime rate on the streets. I mean, it's, it, when you say to Neil or you say to uh, Peter or Johan or one of those guys, you say, is all the stabbing connected? You know, all those people don't go, yeah, of course, because the level of violence is going up and up and up. Why is the level of violence going up? Because you get to get more violent if you want to control the drugs. This, the, the amount of new, every time you, you open up the newspaper now, there's more stories on the horrific stuff going on uh, in the drug world. And, we need reform to stop that. That's the only way it's going to stop. Otherwise, why is it going to stop? Do you think that there are other people in your position that have got a voice that would start lending itself to this? Because it's you know, like you said, if you're if you're talking about cha- uh, cancer charities or, or or something of that ilk, there's no harm that can come of it for the individual that's, that's advocating. But something that's a political issue that involves reform on something that could be conceived as contentious it doesn't attract people in the same context that what those other charities do. So do you think there is any chance we can get more public figures over to this and go, look, let's sort this out? Wow. (laughs) Uh, I think it's going to be tough. I mean, even when I talk to politicians, they should be politically engaged in this and understand the arguments, you know, and look into them. But even when I, you know, they're all very wary of the subject. It's become such a dark cloud in the world. You know, because we've all seen all those, we've, 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 you know, we've been brainwashed with the idea that everything about drugs is evil. It's the evil that's on our planet. Yet, as I keep repeating, we're allowed to do alcohol. You know, <laughs> we're allowed to be drinking a beer, playing football on the beach. We're allowed to do that, but any other sort of drug, we're not allowed to touch. And so it's it's such a dark cloud over that. I think it's we've got a long way to move. Um, interesting for me, you know, it's one conversation with Peter Blexley where I've thought he's nuts. 
what is he talking about? That has just completely changed my mind. And it was fantastically, whoever it was, the people who tweeted me about Neil Woods and said, read his book and stuff, whoever that was, was, was fantastic because I just thought, well, I need to read about this. I'm inquisitive though. And I think uh, I like all these sort of things. You know, if you listen to my podcast, you'll know I'm, I'm obsessive about learning new things. I'm excited about life and, and the world. And, and so I think it's, it's interesting, but I, I, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tough ask to get people to come across. And it's, do you think the media has a responsibility? Because it's, I mean, the classic example at the moment is that you're set, we're, at the moment we're sat in releases offices in London and next to you is a pack of playing cards that have got politicians that have got their drug confessions on it. Uh, and it's quite funny. And it's the same ilk and the same theme as what's been going on in the Conservative leadership at the moment with and you mentioned it, Tim, that all of these politicians that have come forward and said, look, I've used drugs, uh, but don't make the same mistake I've had or, or the same mistake I've done. Do you reckon that that in itself is just a, we, we're constantly framing drugs in terms of bad and good? And as you said, the the, the what was the name of the uh, neurosurgeon you had on? Rahul Jandia. As, as he said, you know, the drugs aren't good or bad. They've just got an effect on the body in some way, shape or form. Do you you mentioned and you alluded to it and I've gone all around the houses on this but you feel cheated that you've not had the chance to try these these drugs do you think there are going to be yeah. other people that are going to resonate with that same argument of going actually I could derive some benefit from these well I only feel cheated that we've either got to go right tequila's banned as well and vodka then it's you know if, if it's a level playing field then I'm all right with it if we go right right Right, it's bad for our society. I mean, I don't want this society, by the way. I would hate this society. But it's bad for our society. So vodka, tequila, alcohol, it's all banned, right? You, none of you can do anything. You know, we don't need to touch that. No no cigarettes, no cigars, none of that. Then I'm, I'm fine with it. But you can't have, like, the idea that some of these drugs are okay for you and some of them aren't. When, it, when it's basically been... I think the, the, the myth has been perpetrated by a lot of the media as well. And the politicians, I mean, the problem with the political system, which I, mean, I don't want to get stuck into politics mm -hmm. too much here because I'd, I'd be slightly out of my depth, but it's just a big, huge power game and a popularity game. And they've got to get the press on their sides. And the press like to get hits. They like to get, you know, they like to get... Um, clicks so they'll they'll just invent a new drug the next minute or you know whatever we've got the latest one and it, it shocks us and so we'll go oh it's terrible all our kids are dying of whatever the next one is you know and they, they, they it's it's constantly they're fueling this this um <sighs> myth about drugs um there's very few people i imagine who want to write the article about how we could use mdma to help with depression or to, for, for other mental health issues you know any form of mental health issues or uh or psychedelics or you know and 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 there's the the one that i don't think anyone in the, the one that has really come a long way which i don't think anyone is doubting is uh cannabis like i mean i think if you went out on the street now to a lot of people and said should cannabis be legalized i think everybody i, I think there'd be a big majority say yeah now don't you yeah i think we got there on that i think the 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 PR campaigns over the last 20 years, I think, of certain so, PR campaigns sounds weird because it's almost it sounds skeptical, but it's just what you have to do. You have to highlight these different issues, other than the fact that it's always been stigmatized as being associated with bad mental health. But we know so many people with PTSD that do derive benefit from cannabis and MDMA. But thankfully, now, because of 
mediums like this, podcasting, and, and being able to have a direct link with people like you and managing to get those messages out there. I sort of end up, though, on Twitter a lot, getting involved in Twitter spats about this. I, and I try, try not to, I, because my knowledge isn't amazing. It's just I know what I know now. And so I'm watching UK Leap and Neil and everybody, you know, trying to educate people. But you can just see people are so... If you, the, 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 always the same response if you knew what I knew if you'd seen what I'd seen you wouldn't be saying legalised drugs if you knew and then all the arguments Neil and uh, UK Leap and everything come up with on, on Twitter to say look but look here are the facts it's like no 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 no, no. My, I know my facts my facts are they've got they're disgusting they've got to be illegal and you're like the, you know as, as Johan Harry points out it's like you, you if you read his book and I think it's, he's got some good points addiction is generally because you've got a, a bad life, not because you've got addicted to the substance. That's his, you know, that's that's his big point. He makes the the substance. There is a bit of chemical addiction, but a lot of it is because you need your life fixed. And so the concept is you don't ha you don't get addicts. You lock them in prison. You get addicts to say, "Can we help you?" And that's the. And to me, that makes perfect sense. It's, yeah, it's environmental. Everything is is cause and effect and if you have a lot of times we find addictions because of childhood trauma it's we know so many people that have been through the mill and yet they go into a route of self-soothing and then we criminalize them again so it's just this hideous process when you strip it down of we're knocking people down so many times because of what our drug laws are doing and i don't think people are realizing that and where we got there was before we were born with america forcing us into doing it we didn't want to make drugs illegal in this country by the way America forced us into it and forced South America into it. And also our media like to write sensationalist stories about drugs because 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 it gets clicks and that is what people want. They that, that that's what you've got to understand the way that newspapers and journalists work is that you know it's always been the way that if you work for one of the big papers years ago, whatever it was at the time, and Times, Mail, Sun, Mirror, whatever, if you write a sensationalist story, you get a lot of hits or you sell a lot of newspapers. It's still that way. So if they, they've got to go for they've got to go for that angle. And it's a good, easy story, you know, that kids are ripping their faces off or jumping off buildings or it's that's always it's always a good clicker that's clickable, you know, nowadays click. I'm talking about, but it's always a saleable story. So, so with the the help of the media fueling it, and we all sit there like I do. I mean, I'm 100% brainwashed. This like the the next person aghast, and you can you you know always the argument is you go, but but you know. The, not all kids are going to do that on these drugs. They're always the argument is you tell the parents of the ones who have died that, and it's it's you know, it's emotive stuff, and it's it's hard to argue against that. However, the same is happening with alcohol. And we're marketing that constantly at ourselves, aren't we? And as you said, the, the good example is Richard Bacon because um, I've, I've loosely spoken to Richard over this because I think it was only it was about six months ago he put a story out about cocaine use and how, uh, I can't remember exactly what the specific were, but I think it was something along the lines of people with ADHD uh, gravitate towards uh, cocaine use because of the you know the kind of what it does and the symbolism. Um, but you're right, is that it's always been used as that salacious story, that clickbait, that scandal, whether it's a sex scandal or a drug scandal. Um, do you reckon that that is going to potentially lessen? Do you think we can get yeah, out of I that reckon, cycle? I reckon if I got caught with doing coke now, what a bizarre thing to say got caught doing my mind has changed so much in six months i can't tell you it's like really weird like if i got caught doing coke so what it's my body i want to do what I want, but i know it's illegal 
um, the, the real difference between Richard Baker and me, and a lot of people in the in my entertainment industry, they hide away doing drugs. I made the decision that I didn't want to do that, so I just don't take them. So it's really easy for me to come on here and say reform drugs because I don't do them. I'm not saying I wouldn't do them if they're reformed, but I just don't touch them. So I've got no no you know dog in the race here. I don't I don't give a shit whether they are or aren't. Apart from I do because it makes perfect sense. Prohibition never worked in America. It never worked, right? Al Capone. It just is bullshit, and then we're still doing it. <laughs> How are we still doing it now when we know it doesn't work? It's so stupid that we're doing that. But from a from a person who works in the entertainment industry, I think if I got caught now. I think I'm not sure I would lose my job, probably because the probably the press would think this is clickable and think it. But but it's getting lesser and lesser. I mean, when Richard got caught years ago, it was just like that was it. No, there's no way, no way back. But when you've got people running for prime minister of the country, going, "Okay, I've done coke," and then having not having to immediately pull out of the race, which he didn't. You know, and they're all saying, "Well, oh, I might have done a bit as well." <laughs> you know, anyone in the room, anyone in Parliament who hasn't done it, put their hand up. No hands go up. You know, they've all, they've all been at it. They've all had a little dabble in something or other, and it's like you know. Um, uh, so I think, I think the moods are slowly changing. It would be good if more people like like me came a- across and started doing. It. But you got all they've got to do is do their research. It's so obvious once you do. And do you think that with the politicians that have admitted? And this this is obviously going to be a leading question, but bearing in mind they've they come out and said, look, I've used these substances in the past, and then they're going to be the next lawmakers and policymakers. How how can they justify maintaining criminalisation and prohibition all the while that they've had a past, maybe even a present? Well, they need to stick themselves in prison, don't they, for a while, <laughs> or give themselves a criminal record. And once they've got their conviction for drugs, they can't go to America, can they? And then they can't. So they need to give themselves. Gove needs to make sure he goes to the police, hands himself in, gets his gets his criminal record. Get you know they, that's what they should all be doing now if they want to. Or we could be all sensible here and go. Can we have a conversation about this? Right, let's do it slowly. Let's take let's take five to ten years to do it, but let's really go. Goes like that's quite swift, I suppose, in the, in the great scheme of things of how long it's been, it's been uh, illegal. But let's just look at all the ways we can do it, and let's move it in the right direction and slowly start opening up. The problem is everyone always says the same stuff, which is, um, uh, uh, you know, if you smoke cannabis, it's a gateway to heroin. I mean, it's, I, I think that's bullshit. I mean, I don't know for a fact, but it, I think... There is absolutely no link whatsoever. No link, there. okay. It's, it's, it's a cause and effect, is that if, you, if you're... Chances are you're not trying heroin first, so there's going to be a natural gate system. But to suggest that the gateway theory stands up because you've consumed cannabis, cannabis and that's got you to heroin, that, that the evidence just doesn't support that. Have you and, and this is going to be really cheeky of me, but um, are you on Amazon Prime at the moment yeah. by chance? Um, if you go on there, there's a film called The Culture High, which I, I'm an associate producer of, um, and we go into the gateway theory quite um, quite substantially on that. And he's writing it down. Blimey, oh, nice. yeah. <laughs> and also, there's another one I've got to say as well. There's another one on there called Grassroots, which is a look at the domestic side of um, uh, campaigning as well. Um, the culture high is the one that we got in line for an Oscar for, so it was quite quite fortunate on that. And I've, I probably I'm going to have to edit that out because that makes me sound a complete wanker. <laughs> <laughs> so. Don't worry about it. It's good. No, as much promotion as you can. And this subject needs to be opened up to as many people as we can possibly. Um, See, that's that's uh, why to. we love you. Is because. So we we have these conversations with people in the in the public eye, 
and some of them quietly agree with us. Some of them go, yeah, we support what you're doing. And then we'll walk off and go, I don't know, but you've got to be the voices for it. But the thing is, is that we're not necessarily the experts either. It just so happens that the voices in LEAP have had to police this this very policy that we know is failing. And I've got my own background, which is, I've spoken about. But you've championed this issue like no other that we've come across. And is do you think that from, from your point of view... Have you had those conversations in your own circles as well as in the public eye? Yeah, and everyone thinks I'm mental. Is it still at that point? Yeah, I go, we need to legalise drugs. They go, oh, that's a ridiculous idea. And I say, come, we need drug reform. This is, this is, you know, and I go through all the reasons and they all look at me as though I've absolutely lost the plot. Um, Yeah, we've been brainwashed so much. I mean, the it's like I'm an alien talking to them because they can get cannabis. They can understand that. But anything else they think is completely nuts. And the idea that uh, someone who's on heroin is not an evil, disgusting criminal is so strange in their mind. Rather than being someone who needs help, they're like, they're disgusting. They don't want to work. They're horrible people. It's like, you never know. They might have come from a very bad background. And this is a way out for them. And it's like, no, 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 no. It's just basically, no, that's the, the estates in Scotland. They're all, you know, got heroin addicts everywhere. And they're because they just don't want to work. And, and I was like, no, no, no. It's not like that. But I felt the same way. And I think everybody is, we've all been brainwashed the same way. But, you know, I'm in a very fortunate position as I'm doing podcasting and I'm speaking to a lot of, influential people and um no not influential sorry intelligent people who know about the subject matter and just to sit across from neil woods is is one of the most emotional experiences i've had looking in his eyes as he's explaining how bad his job was he's in the police he was was in the police doing what he thought was right and he now realizes it's so wrong not his fault doesn't make him a bad person as i was trying to you know, say at the end of the podcast, but he, you know, if you listen to the podcast right at the end, it's really emotional. And I'm crap, I'm a crap broadcaster at the end because I push him on it. And then, and then, you know, he, he put a guy away who, who thought Neil was one of his best friends because he was, you know, undercover. And, he, and, and you could just see the emotions in, in, in Neil's faces. It's like, this is a, this is a, uh, a, a guy who'd done nothing wrong particularly in the world and yet Neil's sort of trying to ruin his life because of our drug policies, our drug laws. It's for vulnerable people basically. And this is the thing about drugs, I think, uh, and the, the industries at the moment. It's all these people are being affected and harmed. A lot of them are vulnerable people. They're the people that our society should be protecting. But those kids going around now, you know, who are traveling up and down the country, being put in by gangs all over the <clears throat> country to sell drugs, they're vulnerable. They're kids and they're vulnerable and they're being used because they're kids. You know, vulnerable people end up going into the gangs and going into drug dealing and all that sort of stuff. And they get, they, they get, so, so we should be protecting those people. And one of the easiest ways to protect it is to take the industry away. I'm going to get a little bit kind of, news of the world tabloid on you now in uh, have you seen much from your quite unique position of being involved in the media if you've seen much and i'm not asking for details obviously but if you've seen much in the way of of partying and and certain drug takings and, and things like that what amongst the celebrity circuit yeah um have i seen a lot of that obviously you, you don't have to go into well, any do you know what it's it's 
prolific in all cl- clubs culture isn't that so it's not just celebrity it's any clubs uh culture i've been around it yeah all my life i've been around it like everyone who hasn't as long as you're going out to clubs and bars and whatever else there's plenty of people doing lots of drugs i go to glastonbury have done for years and years there's always people doing it there um uh a couple of my friends laugh at me because i'm the only one who's not on something at glastonbury but i can't afford to do it because because I'd lose my job. So it's like, I just don't want to take the risk. I love my job. I love my job so much. And I really do. Um, so, and I, do you know what? I'm also, you know, I don't want to come across just the, the sort of uh, cleanest sort of most intelligent guy here because I'm the guy who's never going to, I'm also scared stiff because if I was to take something that would hurt me and I, I always think, think you're playing Russian roulette really, you know, I love the idea that you can go and get your drugs t- uh, tested at festivals. I've got two 17-year-old daughters. Now, they tell me they're not taking drugs. However, they're 17, they're twins, um, and they they started to go out, and they say there's a lot of drugs around. There's a lot of drugs around our children. We know that more than when I was growing up. When I was growing up to begin with, it was just before the, the rave culture. So there was everyone was just drinking, and there was a bit of speed. That was it, you know, and the speed was taken by the sort of guys with Mohicans and Quiffs and stuff who were going to watch King Kurt and all that sort of stuff. And the rest of us were just getting drunk. Then the acid house culture came along and, you know, the rave culture came along and then drugs just became prolific everywhere. With my kids, drugs are everywhere, all of them, constantly. They live in London and they, and they, they go out in those sort of circles. They tell me they're not doing it, but I'd rather, if they were doing it, they were stuff that, that, um, that was uh, clean, that wasn't cut with crap and i think the idea is sorry i'm going talking around here but as i said just before the idea that you could go to a festival and get your drugs tested to make sure it's clean or is okay to take i think is a fantastic idea really good idea and that's the the services of the loop which we can't recommend enough you know you can do that if they're there at a festival or a night spot go along get your drugs tested they'll give you titration advice as well on how you can safely do it and and the right ways of doing it but that must be a concern can i can i just point out there because i'm not i'm not sitting here saying everyone should go and take xc and mda mdma and coke and do all that sort of stuff you know i'm not saying that if you if you're going to go out and do 10 vodka shots tonight or tequila shots it's a shit idea right it's a crap idea to binge drink we all do it i do it i admit i do it i drink i don't drink as much as i used to but i do it and i enjoy it but i'm not saying it's a good idea i'm not saying smoking cigarettes is a really really bad idea don't do it if you're smoking um unless it's for medical purposes if you're smoking cannabis every day i don't think that's a good idea don't do it if you're drinking every day don't do it if you're doing drugs every day don't do it it's a bad idea it's a good idea to be sober it's a really good idea to be sober but it's a good idea that it's your decision Hmm. that's That's what's a good idea and, and a lot of it as well, as, as you said, it's not about the drugs, it's about behavioural patterns. So a lot of times uh, eating disorders roll into this as well because it's this, exactly the same uh, coin, just different size. Yeah, and I would say if you're, if you're gambling, if you're overeating, if you're taking heroin, if you're chain-smoking fags constantly 40 a day, if you're doing over-drinking, if you're popping pills constantly, if you're taking painkillers all the time, I'll go and see a shrink. Because I'd imagine there's more to it than just than just numbing pains of any descriptions. I imagine you could probably do with, um, you know, the reason why I started my podcast was because I wasn't feeling well mentally. And I just ended up reading because I don't do anything. I don't 
<clears throat> didn't take antidepressants and I didn't, I didn't, I, I bizarrely, I, I just stopped drinking immediately as soon as I start getting, when I, when I get a sniff of depression, I stop because I know that drug's terrible for depression. It just times it all by a hundred, you know, and then you have to keep going because that's the only way to do it. So, so I just stopped drinking and stuff and I just started reading a lot. And then I ended up going like, we, me and my friend said, should we do a podcast? And I said, yeah. And I said, I'll tell you what, I'd do an alchemy uncle because I know so much. I've read so many self-help books, desperately trying to work out why my life was sort of broken. I'm getting there now. And I don't see depression as a, um, uh, I don't, I, I talk about this a lot. I don't see, dep I, I used it earlier on the podcast and I regret it. I, I didn't suffer from depression. I had depression. There are chemical imbalances. I understand that. But the depression I have, I think is, is a broken life and thought processes. They're the two things. So I had to fix my life. And you've got to analyze your life. I live in a really fake world of TV and it's very strange. It's kind of the three hours I'm on TV is like surreal. It's the best life in the world ever. And I love it and I adore it. And then the rest of my life, I'm like, well, what is that then? I want to be that person <laughs> constantly. Oh, God, I've got to be the normal Tim Lovejoy. God, that's really dull. But but also we're, we're fired up in what's success, you know? It's funny, I, on my podcast, I've had various people who've, you know, have, have made a, a comment to me. Will Storr said to me, do you see yourself as, he's a journalist who wrote a good book uh, called Selfie, which is about how we, um, the self-esteem movement. And he said, do you see yourself as successful? And I went, no. And he went, it's so bizarre because everybody else will look at you, Tim, and go, right, you've been on TV for 20-something years. You know, you've had TV shows, Soccer Am, Sunday Brunch. But I still don't see myself as, he goes, we're all suffering from this. We're all going around with these weird thoughts in our head about how what success is and then we've got bad thought process and we've got bad lives we maybe want material things you know i read a lot of buddhism when i was feeling low but yeah all these things i, I can't remember the point i was making now but um uh what point was i making i don't know but i i want to draw upon something you said there because it's always something that's interested me is do you think fame can be a bit of a drug in its own right yeah well yeah definitely I, you you see why famous people will get addicted because the highs are so high and then it's tough to go back to the lows. The worst thing ever is if you're in a band. I used to tour with bands flogging T-shirts and their highs are amazing. They're going on, they've got, they've got security, right? And they're in a, they're, they've got their catering put on for them and they've got, you know, uh, they've got um, you know, the travel sorted and, you know, they're riders and, and they get on stage and they've got the adulation of all these people. And they're like, yeah, look at all this. And every night they come out, they do an encore and everyone wants a piece of them and they absolutely love it. You know, I was the swag man flogging the T-shirts. I'm watching the money pour in. It's absolutely huge as the money's pouring into this pod, uh, to the to the to the gig and to the band or the artist. Then the week after their gig stops, that's it. They got to start again. They got to find new material, and they've also no one cares. But they do care. But it's like they're not going on the stage every night. That it's gone, and they find how do I find that high? And so, I, so I do. You know, I don't want to feel sorry for rock stars, but <laughs> but the highs are high and the lows are low. Whereas if you're uh, if you if you're uh, I'm just going to think of a job here. I'll say milkman because there's not many of them are left. If you're a milkman, you just go out every day in your electric thing and you you put milk down. Your highs aren't probably high. Your lows aren't low. Whereas rock star highs and lows, huge sweeping highs and lows. I, I the the small glimpse that I've had behind the curtain by doing this and, and various in the film is that you do you see you see how fame can certainly lead you down those destructive paths because you're invited to the premieres and this, that and the other and everything's laid on for you, as you said. And then if it starts to fade away, 
then where do you go from there? And you can see why, certainly with with potentially vulnerable people that are like reality TV stars, there's a lot of people that are quite self-destructive in those reasons. If you're going to be, some, a wise man once said, if you're going to be famous, make sure you're proud of what you're famous for. And I do think feel sorry for the reality TV stars because um, it's, it's a modern phenomena, but they're going on TV and they haven't got a talent. Um, they're just them. They become very famous very quickly. Uh, then they come out of, say, they, let's talk Love Island because it's on at the moment when I'm talking to you about this. They come out, they're going to be worth. I'm actually interviewing someone on my podcast who, who, who is one of the people who f- funds influencers. Uh, she's coming on soon to say how they make their money. I'm, I'm intrigued by it all. So, so they come out and they, they can make apparently like, one to three million quid if they're one of the good ones. So that's a huge thing. But they also have to have excessive trolling. So every single bit of their body and their looks and everything is absolute, especially the, with the women, is absolutely hammered by people. And it's, it's quite a tough thing. You know, and people don't quite get this. The, the people who slag me off, they're not slagging me off. They're, they're just, they are who they are. They go, love, joy, you're a bleep. And it's like, yeah, in your life I am because I'm in your mind. You don't know who I am. In your mind, you think I'm successful and I've got everything and you haven't and you hate me. And I, I get it. I get why you hate me. But it's, it takes a, it, you know, every now and then I get caught out and I get the rage hits me again. It's like, why are you talking about me like that? You know, it's quite a tough thing to do. But I've been doing it for 20 years and I was the producer of Soccer M. So I used to read the mail, which came in. There was a, there's, I'll tell you a good story here. There was a time where, um, uh, when I was on Soccer M, which was Sky, Sky TV, and they were, people forget email was a kind of a, a, a modern thing once a, once upon a time ago. And there was a, a way you could set up an email account and use your remote control to do emails. And we used to put the email address out. So you didn't need a, you know, people, forget this but there was a time when not everyone had a computer right laptops weren't around you had to go and buy a desk computer type scenario and then laptops came in but uh, sky had done this thing so you could you could set up an email account and then you could email by doing your uh, on your remote control and there was this kind of couple of weeks two or three weeks i was getting uh can i swear on this or not uh, i loved you you're a wanker or oh, i loved you you stupid tosser or whatever chelsea rent boy whatever it was you know and i used to think oh my god this is really bad but it was only one line or something and i was like god i'm getting real bad hate mail what happened and then i put two and two together because it stopped it was people managed to set themselves up email what should i do with my email account i know i'll slag off the guy on telly such a british thing to do well, we'll, have a, we'll have a pop of that chelsea wanker on tv so okay but then it stopped cause it was so hard to do people, you know it died I, I don't know if anyone is still emailing via their remote control on their sky but it just it's like that and so what people do they sit at home and then the reality stars come off and they just hammer them and and it's tough to it's tough to accept that yeah it really is it is a tough industry that you're in because you're constantly subject to scrutiny one way or another i can't yeah but you can switch it off so i don't think it's that tough if i'm honest if you're if you're smart you can just switch it off and go i'm not reading it and just don't so there's more of what i've been doing recently is switching switching off and just not engaging in it. I mean, there's so much noise out there. You know, who's bullying who in Love Island and what's going on here and a, you know, and there's so much stuff. But but interestingly, a lot. I think a lot of the news at the moment around in our country is featured around drugs and drug reform. I think it's such a big thing, not in our country but in the world as well. 
if you, if you legalize drugs, how does the world change if you reform drugs now? That's another thing to think about. South America loves it, right? If you do drug reform, suddenly they become, rather than having kids killed everywhere, constantly or their people die i imagine they suddenly become a big legal industry and start making money for their countries too so that's it the middle east the the atmosphere changes there the environment the the, the landscape changes dramatically in the middle east because suddenly all that illegal or the illegal opium and stuff over there suddenly becomes legal and people go right we need to deal now because we need to try and make this into a business so so the landscape there changes and i suppose the landscape changes in amsterdam and places like that as well i don't know i think and over here we 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 don't we make quite a lot of cannabis type things over yeah, here. we're the leading uh growers and distributors of it but no one's got access to it so and and ironically, it's right on my doorstep. I'm not going to reveal where I live, but it's right there. So it, you can see the Willy Wonka chimneys from where I live. It's bizarre. But you're right, is that Afghanistan is a good example. We've got one of our members in the UK, uh, Patrick Hennessy. He was a officer that was charged with policing the poppy fields. So you, you use a really good example there of just how sprawling this issue is internationally from the domestic streets where we're filming it or we're recording in London at the moment. All the way to South America with the with the um, uh, coca plant to Afghanistan and the, the Middle East with poppies. It's just all there for us. And yet, you mentioned your parents' generation that yeah probably are the ones that are most apathetic to this. Do you think that between what you've mentioned with your parents' generation and your children's generation, is it more likely that this? new crop is going to get it do you think oh my children are so politically engaged it's ridiculous and they're so on board with this i've made i've sat down and and badgered them about it and talked and talked and talked and they they do um i mean my my kids do politics club and things so they, they so they take it into there all the time and they're um they're reading the books and they're really engaged with it all so they're really into the idea of drug reform so can you do a movie night with them so yeah all right i'll, I'll get i'll get them to watch that yeah so they're getting one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My, my parents' generation 
would like it if what happened in Switzerland, which is um, the, the sort of the, uh, the legalization of heroin, the heroin clinics to, brought the crime down. As soon as you can get the crime down, my parents will be engaged. And as long as you can see that, that the people are coming off the drug rather than going on it, which is what always happens with these things when, once you do the drug reform, then I think they would be, be engaged with it. The other thing we haven't mentioned here, though, and, and, and I think it, this is one of the aspects that we need to sell to, to my um, uh, parents too is is how much we're spending on policing this and how much of their taxes my parents are retired now but how much of the, our taxes are going on to on to policing this stuff the police don't want to get involved the amount of people in prison because of this I mean get rid of it all and then you, you know you could, it could just bring all the prices down and then obviously the, there'd be um, tax revenue I assume on the on the drug sales so that'll go up and we'll be able to uh, you know get that sort of stuff we'll be able to get the nation healthier bizarrely i believe even though people will think it's the other way around i believe it i, I believe i believe in what you lot are telling me anyway that i think the nation would be a healthier nation because we'd be able to help all the addicts out there's quite a rudimentary figure that i quite often use it's from a good eight years ago now it's from an organization called uk dbc and it basically condensed down what each taxpayer is paying in regards to drug policy. And it works out, and again, I, I stipulate this is quite roughly worked out, but it's around about £400 per taxpayer per year goes on drug policy alone. So once you realise that actually we've all got a tax that we're literally paying to keep this failed policy above, is the fiscal argument going to cut it? Do you think more people are going to be interested when they know it's in their pocket? Right. So I said this to Liz Bonin the other day. We were discussing single-use plastic and we we're talking about the environment. I said, right, no no one's learning here uh, uh, what is happening in the world, right? The, the, the uh, climate change movement keep on telling us how we're all going to die, right? It's too hard for us to grasp. We're going... Christ, everything like so. We're all trying our hardest to stop single-use plastic and stuff, and you know, and and we all want to go electric cars, and everyone's going, "What can I do? What can I do?" But no one really cares. It's not. We're all that that fear thing. Policy through fear is just or or describing it through fear is not working. I've, I've I, I said to her the other day, it's like you need to paint a beautiful future for us. So. That is what Brexit did, and that is what Trump did. They went with optimism. Why the other side were going, uh, Remain were going. Oh, if you do it, the whole world, the Britain's going to collapse, and you're all going to be crap and on the streets, right? And Trump is like, you know, uh, make America great again. And and Clinton's going, if you vote for Trump, you, you know, you'll be mass unemployment or whatever. You know, it's the wrong way about doing it. And I think with this, the way we need to sell it to my parents, not so much my kids, but my parents, is like your life will be better because. Crime will come down. There'll be less money on police. The police will be able to look after your streets again, how you want them to be, not just going around chasing drug dealers constantly and doing drug stuff. They'll be able to, you know, they'll be able to redistribute the wealth so it's better. You can, if someone actually breaks into your house, they'll care. At the moment, they probably don't have the resources to do that sort of stuff. If you start painting a picture, which is a nice picture, the kids will be healthier. There'll be nicer people on the streets. The economy will grow. La da 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 da. And then also throw in the. And by the way. We're kind of quite big in the cannabis industry. <laughs> Whenever I tell that to people, they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, we're doing well. And aren't we also funding the cannabis industry with our city? Haven't they come over here for, for financing it? Aren't the city brokers do, and the city city boys doing it? It's become a weird tapestry. Yeah, not all, you know, it's, this, this is the next step. Is that it's, There's inevitability now that cannabis is going to be, and I use the word 
legalizing quotation marks but it's it's going to happen now because it's north america's done it and it's trickling over here but the conversation we now need to have is how do we want that to look so do we want that to go down another alcohol route of marketing and big corporations or do we want to have more of a social approach where we allow smaller people to get involved in a foothold so that is the next conversation and do you think we're we're remotely primed to have that yet in a in a outside of this office that we're recording in it feels like the time is rife for total drug reform so that we don't end up with cannabis becoming like alcohol. We need it all to sit pretty much. We need to bring alcohol down towards, you know, we need to probably prevent the marketing of alcohol as much, don't we? Even though otherwise we're just going to end up with that. It's so hard for me to get my head around this though because I'm just thinking about, oh, it's a really hot day. I'm sitting in this office, really hot day and, I've just, and I'm just thinking about the 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 um what do you call those things pouring a pint of lager oh, yeah, and, yeah. And the, <clears throat> the draft beer the draft yeah. and the way they make them all wet and so yeah. and i just think it's so amazing how they do that in the glasses and everything else and so you know clearly anyone who gets their hands on this industry is going to want to market it and sell it to you to make you want to want to want to buy it like that but you're it shouldn't shouldn't really they shouldn't really be able to commercialize it should they i don't think well i think that you're kind of I've not primed you for this at all, but I think you're totally on on board with what my position is. Is that again? Is you you do need to look at marketing. I don't drink myself because it it has a horrible effect on me. But when you have got a perspective of seeing what the drinking culture is like, it's bizarre. It's just so ingrained in society. Yeah, everything revolves around it. You go to reception. Oh, here's your free bubbly. <laughs> so I I don't drink, but thanks. Well, well since yeah, since I've had my realization my rethinking on on uh drug reform i find alcohol so bizarre that whatever occasion it is because i always swap it with like i don't know something uh mdma or um coke or (laughs) you know hey welcome to the wedding just grab yourself a line before you go in (laughs) it's like it's so bizarre how one's so legal and one so illegal. It's just it. Now you look at it. It's like we're marking every occasion with a drug, and yet in my mind, drugs are so evil. And I still struggle to to cross over to not think they're all evil and killing the the the, the planet. Even though I've listened to all the arguments, because I've been so brainwashed. I mean, I'm totally on board. Don't get me wrong. But sometimes I slip and think, oh my god! Like on the way here, I was thinking, am I doing the right thing doing this podcast? Because it's so alien to people to to think that that um, reforming uh, the drug laws is a good idea. That's why I like to think I'm fairly sensitive to those positions because it's only been the last, I think since about 20, no, about 2008, that again, I had that kind of journey that you had of, hang on a minute, this doesn't seem right, and then started learning more about it. So you do have to be sensitive to people's positions of, no, all drugs are bad, keep them illegal. It just, it's got some degree of sense in it, isn't it? I think what we've got to do is look at those poor parents who had the child, who had the um, cannabis, who they want. I don't really know. You probably know more than me of what they, they got stopped at the airport and they had cannabis and it's helping their poor child. And has it run out now? I think it might have run yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. So we had two cases that were high profile, which was Alfie Dingley and Billy Caldwell, and both are struggling to now get their supplies. So we're all looking at that. I think I think any nice, sensible person, actually, that's I'm using the wrong word there, nice, because we've all been so brainwashed. So you know, in what what we think of these these drugs. So there'll be people sitting there going, but if you open that loophole, then everybody will be 
ripping their faces off after smoking cannabis but you know sensible so people have done a bit of research and looked at looked at these drugs they'll think um why the hell can't those parents get those drugs to help that child i mean it's it's nuts you know you wouldn't stop morphine would you isn't there isn't there heroin and opium in the operating theatre still oh yeah we, the opiate scale is, is quite vast you know you, you go into any operation you're going to have an opiate of some sort that's going to cost you pain or, or, or sedate you in some sort of way and that's a good example is that we, we've and as you said from the neurosurgeon we've differentiated between good and bad drugs but they're just inanimate objects is how we how we ingest them and how they deal with them and and just before you came in here, we spoke to Neve Eastwood because we were in releases offices. And Neve pointed out that the reason that this neurosurgeon hasn't potentially got as much knowledge as what he could have is because of the scheduling of drugs. So in this country, we've got a schedule one, which means of no medical value, which means you can't research them. Hence, we are so behind in what we could potentially be doing with new research. And yet no one really knows or cares about this. Do you think that's going to have any re- resonation? Yeah, I do. I think that's the, that's one of the ways it's going to be. Sure. I'm so ignorant of drugs. I so you know, I don't know what I'm, I don't know one drug from the other. It's ridiculous, but well, it's not ridiculous at all. So there's no need to, is there? That's why why I don't know them. But um, I think as soon as we start thinking they're going to be used for medical purposes, that's that's how America are doing it, isn't it? That's that's how what's for, I mean, they've got the. Um, they've uh, legalized acid, haven't they? Or what, what, in Denver, in they've, Denver. Just, they've just decriminalized psilocybin for residents, which is a massive step. Hasn't one of them said MDMA as well? For I think things are coming in the purposes. MDMA stakes. Yeah, again, it's one of those ones that people are starting to realize that a is therapeutic purposes, yeah. especially for treatment, uh, resistant depression, and alcoholism, um, which is actually a subject we could probably uh, get into with with uh, some of the knowledge that's in this country we've got someone called dr ben sessa that's doing a lot of work on this professor david nutt does a lot of work on this and also um how psychedelics can help palliative care as well there's a lot of research and early research within that of how end of life can be eased with psychedelics as well and again we've not really delved into these subjects because of what the drug laws create yeah i listened to david nutt on the radio years ago and thought Wow, he's really out there. <laughs> yeah, at the time he was he was definitely seen as as, as radical, and that's why yeah. he was he was sacked from the ACMD because of his his harm scale. He told the truth about the harm scales of drugs. He said, "Well, actually, that one's not as bad as you think, and alcohol's the bad one." And the government didn't like it, so they showed him the door. And it's the same with with the person you just met, Neve Eastwood. She wasn't allowed on the ACMD because of her criticism of this What's policy. What's the ACMD? So it's the Official Advisory Council. So it's the Advisory Council on Misuse of Drugs that are there to give the government and the Home Office advice on how they should handle drugs. Trouble is, is that the government historically tends to want to hear what they want to hear. So when they do have an expert like Professor David Nutt or Neve Eastwood that says, actually, this policy is doing harm, they tend to get shown the door and not be listened to on the advice. And this is all another element that most people have no idea on. Um, and it's cherry picking. It's cherry picking at the absolute antithesis of that of that paradigm. And yet we're doing nothing about it. Do you think that, again, that could have any resonation with people, domestic, I say domestic people, that sounds completely wrong, but people in your circles, do you think, do you think they can grasp that and, and think, actually... Something's gone a bit wrong there. You know what is the big thing which is happening, I think, in this country is podcasting. 
which could make a huge difference. Um, I tell you why it's if you're BBC Radio and one of the presenters said, "Hey, let's do a thing on drug reform." They go, "Oh, let's not touch that." Everyone's just going to come on and say no. You know, I mean, I'm, they wouldn't invite me onto the radio to talk Radio One or two or six music or something to talk about drug reform, would they? Actually, they might start doing it now, but but they wouldn't originally. And then <clears throat> and then uh, uh, and the, the commercial radios don't want to really touch that sort of stuff. They'll only do it if there's a book out or you know something like that. Whereas podcasting, and then you'll get six minutes to argue your case. At which point, most people will go, you know, they'll be sitting at home going, "Oh, that's nonsense." You know, they, 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 it's just you're just few. All you're going to see is loads of drug addicts on the streets. That's all that's going to happen. And I suppose with podcasting, what you've got is you've got, I mean, because I listen to a lot of American podcasts, a load of them, and I'm really interested. Sadly, I've gone down a UFO rabbit, <laughs> rabbit hole at the moment. But I, I just, I, I listen to a lot of American, because I like the deep, I like the big conversations about, you know, things like, um, uh, I don't know, <laughs> uh, um, free will and, and all that sort of stuff. I love. I like all these interesting conversations. So, I suppose a podcast comes out now. If 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 I'd interviewed, well, I have interviewed Peter Blexley on my TV show Sunday Brunch, and you've got a few minutes to cover uh, Hunted and um, and his books and stuff. Suddenly, he's on a podcast. I can do an hour, and right at the end of the hour, like a life changing moment. Oh yeah, and you can legalize drugs. And it's like what you know. And that's you know been life changing for me, as in thought changing, definitely rethinking the whole thing. And it's given, you know, and then it enables me to interview a load of other people. I'm, I'm sort of spreading the word. I suppose podcasting in its very nature is because the people are discussing things in depth and also would like to discuss these sort of things. I think that's how it can change. The more people who get on board with podcasting, I think, I think that's one of the avenues it can go down. I completely agree with you on that point because I mean that's the whole reason we constructed this is because I think I think uh, when we got recommending the Guardian there was the perfect phrase which was it's more than a podcast it's a tool for social change and and that's why we're doing it because you being on this podcast means that we get your audience come to us and being interested in this subject and that is why people of your position that are in the media are so valuable to us. You're now more value, value to us than the politicians because we believe that it's got to be a bottom-up reform and that the politicians, they most of them do get it. I think that there is intransience to a certain degree that they're not doing anything about it. So when you get people like you that are willing to speak and willing to learn, you know, willing to go, actually, five months ago I was in this position and now I'm thinking this... We genuinely can't thank you enough for doing that. It's everything that we need. Do you reckon? Do you reckon we can get more people like you on here? I, no one ever does anything without any incentive, do they? That's no, the that's problem. The that people always do stuff if there's something in it for them. Um, there's a free pack of cars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm doing it because I like it. I don't think it's important, and I think it's. I mean, I don't just think it's important for this country. I think it can change the world. Uh, literally think it's changed it, it will not not it can it will change the world and make the world a better place i think it's the one thing we can all do you know i'm, I'm thinking about climate change hugely important nuclear um uh energy massive massive discussion point obviously always because of its its very nature um a global taxation huge because of the way these companies are operating now and drug reform absolutely 
massive, as in it will change politics around the world. The polit- the, the the shifts will just, I mean, the the poli- the, poli- the political shifts around the world will be absolutely huge by just getting good drug reform around there. And, it, and I think it will make the world a better place. I really do. I genuinely think that. So, you know, so I'm willing to come out here and start, start, start you know, flying the flag for you over here. But I think we're going to have to take the lead from America, aren't we? Yeah, well, in one sense, they're leading. And in another sense, we are. I think we're going to probably do better on heroin. But whereas, because they're still facing an opiate crisis, they're not really doing much about. Um, and we're very much acknowledging now that we're at an all-time drug deficit in this country. So bizarrely, we could probably lead on heroin, but they're going to start leading on cannabis because the industry's there now so for my my listeners who will tune into this they'll be thinking how the hell are you going to legalize heroin so do you want to explain the clinics so so that they understand how it works and this is a conversation that that neve eastwood and i just were just having actually because one of the models that you can go with is called hat so heroin assisted treatment so most people probably have got an idea of going to their local boots and there's a counter down the end where someone knocks on it and then they get their, their methadone treatment. That's It's so sophisticated and in, integrated and it's a way of stopping people from robbing houses to fund potentially their need for, for use of opiates. It's just exactly that process but with actual heroin. So instead of using um, methadone, you have prescription-grade heroin that people can consume, um, preferably... Or autonomously because one of the things you can't do is restrict people's habits to such a degree that it just leads them back into the black market so if they can have a control over their own lives and what they're doing then you can see results people are going to be stabilized and potentially lead good lives and i don't want to say good lives because that's, that suggests that any drug use is a bad life that's not remotely what's being said but with regards to what's happened in switzerland is that as you said, I think you brought it up, is that when you do have heroin-assisted treatment, um, crime rates go down because people don't have to rob houses. In Switzerland, they, they, as far as I understand it, they go into a clinic, they take it on site, and then they leave. So, yeah. But they have to take it on site. So that's another point that, that conjoins, is that what we also advocate is drug consumption rooms or safe injections facilities or overdose prevention sites, whatever terminology you prefer. But no, nobody ever questions, as far as I can see it, nobody ever questions the, um, the never questions them and their addictions, but always open offers uh, uh, the opportunity for them to have therapy or help of some description and talk it through and, and as far as i understand it in in switzerland 80 percent of people are coming off heroin because that that's generally what they want they want to be treated as a uh am i using the right word here maybe more of a patient than a than a criminal yeah so yeah so imagine your your first entry into a service uh is how we do it here at the moment so you, you may get arrested because of being in possession of heroin so your entry into a service is potentially prison. Um, or you go the other route, You someone's first entry into services is a, a clinic where they're given heroin as a, a prescription. And then you've got all of these services that, that, that can join with it, that you can get therapy, you can get uh, mental health services, you can get even uh, social services, like if you're struggling with home and things like that, all of them are there at, at your disposal as well. So it's 
what way would you want someone that's got, got potentially an addiction? Do you want them to go to prison or do you want them to get the services that can potentially get them a life that they want for themselves? It's it's a pretty simple equation. So when you say legalise heroin, it, it it's, it's quite a misnomer in a way because you're not actually legalising anything in the sense of, look, there's a free-for-all, because that's what quite often people hear with legalise. What you're saying is actually there's far more options for the patient to get more help if we just give them health-based services. Heroin's legal anyway, isn't it, over here? It's not illegal. You just need... You need to, Doctors, if they get the prescription, if they get the rights, can prescribe it. They just don't give them any. So, any... so it's, it's quite complicated. So we had um, a doctor called uh, Dr. Strang that did the British system, which was heroin-assisted treatment. Um, and heroin is basically just uh, diamorphine, but kind of a brand name. It was it was it was by Bayer who uh, who patented um, heroin. Um, so it's what you can also talk in terms of is morphine, diamorphine, and and that whole kind of opiate scale. Um, so it's to, uh, we always just term it in terms of heroin, no, because it's what we associate with the train spotting generation and things like that. So if we if we just kind of try and get ourselves out of that mindset of what heroin is, as you said, like a folk devil of that, oh, it is the train spotting generation. It is what people out there that are homeless that are obviously using heroin. It's it's just again, it's just the marketing term that's been added retrospectively to social situations it's just such a horrific idea though isn't it to stick a needle in your arm and start shooting shooting up heroin i suppose you've got to ask the question how you get to that place in the first exactly place, and, and, and i think we just assume ignorance my ignorance is you just assume that it was just a party which kept going until you end up there whereas whereas often it can be no the life is so miserable i started smoking it and i end up doing that for that i don't i don't know i'm not i'm not I'm not educated enough on it, however, or informed enough on it, but I, I, I do think that people probably don't want to be heroin addicts. And and it's there's a lot that goes with what you just said as well, is that um, you can smoke heroin, obviously you can, you can do it off a foil, but the chances are that how someone ingests their drugs is reliant on social circumstances as well. So a lot of times if you are thinking that you're in risk of prosecution, you may consume very, very quickly just so you're not caught in possession. And that's where, again, intravenous use can come into it because you can just shoot it all in and then just get rid of it and there's no vapour trail. So simple things like that, the law actually creates more harm because it makes people do riskier behaviour. And yet we don't, again, discuss this rationally. We just think in terms of heroin's bad and that's it. What, what we need is... Um for someone like me to do a documentary on this really don't I? see <laughs> don't that's exactly what we've been trying I wonder to wonder if yeah. a tv company would touch it it's an interesting thought because i'm sitting here thinking i'd like i'd quite like to learn more about this because um we really do need know, that we need that fact finding that so people yeah, can have this explained go to america and see what they're doing over there and you yeah. know in switzerland and, and, and meet people because all well, and good, well and good us having this conversation but we're we're essentially speaking for people hmm. there are so many people out there that are eloquent and intelligent that happen to use heroin, they have a voice and, and they should be allowed to have their voice. Why do they use it? Because they just like it or...? There's there's going to be lots of different reasons. So we know people that have had childhood trauma that's just mental health has just failed them, so therefore they've gone into roots of self-soothing. And then you've got other people that have just flippantly tried and then gone, actually, 
I'm struggling to handle this now and, and have ended up in a kind of a pattern. It's just as nuanced as life who are on itself. It who want to stay on it because they just think it's the greatest way to live your life. There will be people that enjoy it. And, and again, it's if you've had medical grade um, opiates of a you know quite a high dose in hospital, then you probably know that opiates can be quite nice. That morphine. Yeah, yeah, oh God, and, and so, pethidine. Yeah, and that this is, it's kind of an interesting feeling, isn't it? Yeah. So there are people that, that go, mm. actually, I'm okay using this. And there are certainly people that can, what you, it's a horrible description, but what you call a functional addict that are completely normal, which just so happens instead of having a drink, they'll use this. They exist. Are you at all worried that, I'm interviewing you now. <laughs> it's all rolled. Are, are, are you at all worried that if we, did legalize everything that everyone would be going ah oh, come on what are we doing tonight we're we doing heroin or we're we doing morphine we're we doing mdma where are we going what are we doing what's the drug of choice today are you worried about that there's been no evidence to suggest that so prime example we always cite the home office's very own research that came out about five years ago and it compared all drug laws throughout the world and it was called the international comparators report and it found that there is no association be between the harshness of a tr country's drug laws and the rates of use. Most people don't factor in the law with regards to what they consume. They, it's, it's, there's so many other factors for a person. And this is backed up. There's a study today that's just found that uh, teen use in states that have got legal cannabis haven't gone up. If anything, they've kind of plateaued a bit. Same in Switzerland, you had heroin-assisted treatment didn't mean to say people then go, oh, actually, I want to find out what this is about. It just doesn't work that way. Human behavior is so much more complex than what we think the arbitrary law is all about. So thankfully, the evidence is there supporting our case that if you do have reform, levels of use don't go up. But the other factor that I have to put in on that is if rates of use do go up, but people are safer because they've got safer sources, it's cutting out organized crime, does it matter that we potentially would have an uptick in, in use? The last question I think I'm going to ask you, if we were to have this conversation again in five years' time, where do you think you'll be personally within this topic? And also, where do you think we'll be internationally as a policy? Right. Just go. I, I'm going to answer that question, but just go back one stage. I was thinking about your documentary. What you really need to do is you need to try and get populist someone populist like a jamie lang or someone like oh, right. a reality star if you get them they'll make a documentary i mean they might do it with me but but you get populists going that they'll go wow that's the meeting of populists yeah. you know that that generation of love island type reality stars meets drug reform which is so surreal i think by the way i was just thinking when my producer's head on i was thinking that's such a surreal combination that might work but you'd have to find one who actually bought into the idea not just for fame but actually to to um to get it um where will i be in five years time on this well hopefully i'll still be supporting you but hopefully we'll be we will be closer and hopefully i won't be the lone celebrity voice i'm not sure i am the lone celebrity voice but you know the, the, i don't think there's that many of us are there who are there's, there's about... a lot of you that are willing to to back us up um in a private conversation but to get someone like you here having this conversation is a different matter okay well hopefully we'll get more people doing that if you are a celebrity and you're listening to this get your ass in here because we need to spread the word as much as possible and we'll just do your research on it look into neil wood's books and you know try and speak to and johan hari's books they're amazing they're all about it and they 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 just explain it all so well. Um, and then where? what was the other question? Where, where do you think we'll be internationally as a policy? Do you think we'll get any kind of reform? I do. 
I think it's going there. I keep saying to my friends as a joke, right, we need to get into the drug business. I need to become a drug dealer. And then we go, why? And I said, because I think it's going to happen. And and the why, the reason why I think it's going to happen, if someone like me can change my mind, where I was so, you know, like, uh, I don't do drugs because I'm on TV. You know, that is the fundamental reason I lose my job. So I'm sort of kind of anti the idea and my friends don't do them around me. I'm not saying my friends do drugs, <laughs> but if they did, they don't do them around me. So so it's like bec- because of that, because it's such a, a, a volatile subject, you know, it's, it, it, you know it, it, it could ruin my career. So, so for someone like me to completely change my mind on it, and it wasn't hard. It really wasn't hard. It was reading a book, listening to Peter Blexley, reading a book, interviewing Neil Woods, interviewing Johan Hari. It's completely changed my mind on it. I think also politicians will be looking over the pond and they'll be looking at Switzerland and they'll be looking at that and they'll thinking, you know, we could gain some ground here, you know. And as soon as someone thinks, it only takes a couple of them to come out and sort of say, oh, I think we should be legalizing drugs, but a couple of the real big popular ones or drug reform is a good idea for the country. And when, you know, our politics is in such a mess at the moment, where, you know, who are you going to vote for out of that lot? Oh, I'd, I'd be, there's going to be some politicians who come along soon because it's such a mess at the moment, I think, with both all the parties. I think there'll be some politicians who come along soon and I think they'll be looking for new ideas and new policies. And I think if you can, as I say, if you can paint a good picture rather than just the the bad, if you can make a better police force because they're not wasting all their time on drugs, safer streets, you know, um, uh, uh, better for our children, cleaner environment, those sort of things, you know, and, and I think people will start coming on board with that. I feel very positive about it, but... Um, I do know from spending my time on Twitter, reading it, how totally and utterly brainwashed we all are. So it's a it's a big ask, but I think it can happen. Thank you so much, Tim. You are absolutely fantastic. I hope we do more with Tim because he he hears the voice that just keeps on giving. I left that largely unedited. Just took out a little bit about wrestling because I'm a wrestling fan. Tim isn't, and that was quite an interesting little five minute discussion. I'll keep that for the director's cut. But, yeah, I I hope we do more with him. And while we're on the thank yous, thank you to John Harris at the Distraction Pieces Network who does so much for us. Thank you to Scoobius Pip for having us on the network, giving us the boost. There's new shows on the Distraction Pieces Network, so make sure you check out all of them. There's some brilliant ones. There's some massive ones as well, like huge, great podcasts that have really taken off globally. Thank you to My Name Is Ad for the artwork. Thank you to Nikki, Tristan and John for all the producing work you do, especially Nikki. Nikki is the biggest workhorse. He looks like Kelly Loggins and we love him. Thank you so much, Nikki. You are a genius. And you, the listeners, we cannot do this without you. And please, if you like any of these discussions, share them on, put them in the other ears because that's what we need. Drug law reform doesn't, doesn't stop at this podcast. It needs to get out there. So if you're interested in this subject, please give us feedback. Tip us off on guests. Put this in other people's pockets. This is what we need to do. Thank you so much for listening. Keep tuned, keep subscribed, keep finding us on the social media channels at Lit UK because there's so much more to come. There really is. We've got a lot coming on this podcast. And thank you, and I'll see you later. Bye bye. Behind your barricades. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. 
Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, but how long can I stay? Straight.